Welcome back, you beautiful people, to the Real Collective Podcast. Thank you so much for coming and visiting and spending a half an hour of your well-deserved time with us. As always, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and share this with someone who you think might take this information to heart. And what we're going to talk about today, Kyle, is the idea of a lot of people are hitting stuff and they're saying, hey, you know what, I want to buy a house in X amount of time, whether it's six months, 12 months, 18 months, and they're coming and they're saying, hey, I want to get myself set up. What do I have to learn? What do I have to know? What do I have to do financially so that I'm going to be in good standing when the time comes? And I think a lot of agents will turn around and they'll say, hey, just buy a house now, you know, and, and, and which is obviously not what the clients are saying. They're saying, hey, I want to get set up so that when the time is right for me, here's what it is I need to do. So I think we can we can break all this down um how of course if you're listening on apple or spotify thank you so much for your ears and you can book an appointment with kyle or i directly below in the calendly links kyle how you doing how's your halloween i'll be honest i i don't know what's happened i've become this halloween grinchy guy for some reason like i don't i don't dislike it but like we just you know we busy kids life this and that and the other thing like we didn't have any pumpkins we're bad like that definitely like still going trick-or-treating love taking my daughter out great yeah. but it was yeah we were definitely that like scrooge mcduck house on halloween it was pretty i'm not happy with myself we're gonna get better but for now <laughs> that's what it was we were we were the um uh we were the full-size chocolate bar house so Ooh. yeah right i remember being a kid like you go to the house that has the full-size chocolate bars did you hear did you hear about the guys? I think it was, I don't know if it was in the States or in Canada, I can't remember, but they were giving away two liters, two liter bottles of pop. I'm like, <laughs> you'd just be sitting there just like, oh my God, this is so heavy. Walking around like your five-year-old kid just dragging your your bag, your <laughs> pillowcase. <laughs> your pillowcase just rips and just yeah. all over. Mom, mom's mom's not happy about that. Mom was oh, not happy. We, we, uh, our kids are young. Like I've got seven and four and then of course the one-year-old, but she didn't make it that far, but, uh, we brought a, uh, a, a wagon with us, right? Yeah. So we can empty the bags, put it, fill up the wagon, the four-year-old by like an hour into it. She's like, I, can I just ride, ride in the wagon? It's like, yeah, right, ride in the wagon. <laughs> so, you know, we were constantly like unloading bags into the wagon. Uh, that's where the, the two liter would have gone, but yeah, that's, that is, that's a, that is a move, you know, two liter. Oh, but yeah. I'm sure people were just like getting out, getting out the glow sticks. Just like, you're going to that guy's house, full size chocolate bars down the hall. Let's go. You yeah. know, I, we, we had, we had uh, 90 of them. And at the end of it, we, we, we still had uh, probably, I'm going to say 10 left. So we must've only had 80 kids and like a block away from us. Like my friends, they had, they had full size as well. 200, they had 200 kids. So I don't know if people like doubled them up or something like that, but yeah, it was uh who knows? Eh? Anyways, yeah, Halloween was fun. We are uh, getting towards the end of uh, of of the year, the end of 2023, and uh, it's been a weird year, that's for sure. Um, so we'll we'll uh, yeah, we'll we'll break it down. Like I say, I think this is the time of year where people start to put plans into into motion. You know, they start to think about okay, well, I'm gonna buy, but we're hearing a lot of people saying I'm gonna wait until spring or I'm gonna wait until whatever, right? Um, their, their, their point is, oh, the rates are too high. And, you know, my comeback is always like, well, that's exactly why you should be buying. 
when the rates are as high as they can possibly be, we talked about this last time, the higher the rates, the lower the price, the better the deal, the payments are going to be the same and your refi is going to be lower when the rates are as high as they are. So that's what I think you should buy now, but it doesn't really matter what I think. It matters what you as a client are are hoping to do. So you've got some pretty good uh, setup ideas in terms of financing uh, for people uh, in terms of how to, how to prep. Yeah. The, the big thing is like, yeah, I mean, there's, there's that conversation to have for sure of, you know, and again, I've said that every time we've been on that, we've done this, right. Is that it's the data. Like, don't go with feeling of, well, I feel like this is this, you know, if you think, if you believe something's going to happen, that's a different situation. That's fine. But if it's like, well, I feel like if the rates, this, and the payment's going to be this, then I'll do X, right? No, no, just do the math. Ask your, ask your finance person, do the math. If my house is 750 and the rates are four, what's my payment? If I buy this house today at 650, my payment and my interest rate is six, what's my payment, right? Because again, what are you worried about, right? If your fear is that the value of the house is going to drop, I think you're a little misguided there to a degree. If it's about, if it's about the payment, that's pure math, baby. Like just do the math. And you'll figure and you'll figure it out, right? There's there's an online mortgage calculator on our website, realcollective.ca. Click on the button resources, drop down mortgage calculator. It's right there. Anybody? Well, if if we're plugging our if we're plugging ourselves, I have a mortgage app too. Like that, that's fine if we're plugging ourselves. But plug hey, plug it. <laughs> so well, I just did. I got a mortgage app. I'll have to get it. I'll have to get the link. I can put it in there. But yeah, we'll do that. Um, but I think the other thing too is that now is the time. Um, there's two things we were talking off camera before about, and I'll get there. But this is a perfect time actually for specific groups of clients to start prepping, specifically people who are self-employed. You've done your 12 months, right? Uh, if you're using a calendar year, you've done your you've done your 10 months, I guess. But you you're coming to the end. You kind of know what's in the pipe. <clears throat> Now's the time to look at because doing it because now you can look at your numbers, know where you are and literally start to plan what your accountant's going to do, right? How much are we going to write off or not write off or start comparing a regular standard A deal with an alternative deal because there's different ways that we can structure business for self people, but we don't want to do it in your five day condition period. <laughs> we want, we want to do it now. Right. And so you can go in with that plan and even better, not roll, not roll into your meeting with your accountant in January, February, March, and be like, this is what my mortgage guy told me to do. Do it now. Do it in December and say, hey, my mortgage guy is suggesting this because we want to buy in March. Right. And your accountant can say, well, here's the pros of that. Here's the cons of that. Right. Like I literally had my accountant sitting there and I said, look, I want you to show me my tax bill. If I claim every single cent that I made this year and wrote off nothing, right? When I woke him up after he passed out, I hit him a bit and he was like, oh, I was like, I was like, okay. Yeah, exactly. He's like, are you mad? I said, okay, now let's look at the expenses and say, what are we going to do? And I started weighing the, the cost benefit of that, right? And, you know, I'll pay higher on my mortgage and do an alternative mortgage to avoid 75% of income tax, right? That I would have to pay if I claimed every single penny I made or whatever it was, right? But that's the kind of planning people want to do now in that in those specific groups, for sure, is to have a look at that. Yeah. And, and you know, 
I've never been the guy who was great for filing my taxes like instantly. But I'd love one day to get to the point where I'm like, okay, great. You know what? It's December 31st. As of January 1st, click. I know exactly how much money I'm in this year, exactly how much I've written off. I've spoken to my account. I know how much money between, you know, Jan and, and, and the end of February. Here's what I'm going to put into my RRSPs, whatever, whatever. I'm not that guy. At one point, I would love to be that guy. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's possible, right? We can totally title this, like, do as I say, not necessarily as I do. Like, it's a great suggestion. And I know it's hard. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that's this the perfect time, especially if your business is seasonal, slowing down a bit. You know, you got that couple weeks of Christmas. Yes, it sucks. You want the vacation too. I get it. But it's it's a great time to do that if you're in the market to get get going because typically on a on a on a business for self deal in a lot of cases we actually need a two-year history so we've already got last year's so now let's prep with this year right or if you're brand new cool we'll plan that two years out and say look if you're gonna if, if everything holds the same let's do this this year we'll do the same next year and once you're into the house you know then readjust how you're gonna do your accounting right because this is what's going to get you in. So it's a, it's an important part of the it's an important part of the process. It's boring as, but it's just it's needed. It's needed because trying to do it on a, in that first ten days, you'll hate me. I'll hate you. Your account's going to go nuts. And quit. Just prep. Yeah, it's uh, again. I think I think you're absolutely right. It's easier easier said than done. But the thing is, like, it has to get done. So the question is, do you want to do it like now and ahead of the ball, you know, or do you want to do it when you're like your back's to the wall? So that's that's one good piece to prep. Um, shifting gears just a little bit. I heard that there was a 40 or a 50 year amortization available. So that's really cool uh, for a couple different lenders or one or two different lenders or maybe like one different lender. I don't want to I don't want to sidetrack this whole conversation, uh, but that's interesting. It's it's more for um, my understanding of it anyway, is that it's not like it's it's not like it's um, being given to everybody. It's for people who are in some of those mortgages where they bought at the peak and, you know, variable and they were static payments, which means their payment did not rise with their variable. So they're just pure interest and then some, and they're looking at readjusting that because in a, in a, in a typical scenario, right. If your amortization has ballooned to over 30 years, um, then you have to make, you have to make a lump sum payment to get your amortization back in line. And that's just going to, that's literally like getting a letter in the mail and saying, Hey, you need to pay us 50 grand. Um, from where? Oh, right. Sure. Like, Let me just yeah, no problem. Just going to go to the couch. I'll be right back. So the meth lab isn't up and running yet, but you know, so anyway, but like it just, that's so I think what's, I, my understanding is that they're they're extending that on the back end. So the the lenders agreeing to help people out and extend that amortization to bring the payment down, so they don't have to make a massive lump sum, and they're just gonna have to keep they're just gonna have to rejig their payments. Got it. So okay, and then shifting gears uh, and talking a little bit more about getting prepped for your purchase. Um, you you ran through a scenario before we jumped on camera, and I think it's mm -hmm. uh, run run it through again. So I think one of the one of my suggestions to people is to is to not necessarily like compartmentalize if that's the word all all of like the things you pay for 
right? Like people will look at their mortgage and say, ah, the interest is high and ah, that payment's high. But in general, the house isn't typically what's hurting everybody the most. Like, it, and I got to be careful with that because I mean, yes, it takes up a bigger chunk of your overall budget and your net income and stuff. But if something else wasn't there, you could still afford to allot that money to the mortgage in the current state that we're in. So, um, you know, for example, if you're sitting, if you if you're trying to buy a place and you've got, you know, getting a five hundred thousand dollar mortgage, but you're carrying a uh, hundred thousand dollars worth of car, and i.e. the payments that go with that, you essentially are paying for a six hundred fifty thousand dollar mortgage. So if you're someone sitting there right now, saving, 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 good for you. You've got 30, 40, 50 grand, which I know sounds crazy, but a lot of people can do that very well. 30, 40, 50 grand. You may not need to save any more money. What you need, to, what you could do, I never say need or should, I hate that, but what you could do is stop saving. Take that money and apply it to those bigger debts now. So those are paid off. People say, yeah, but I'm on 0% financing or, you know, my car payments, whatever. The thing with the mortgage math is that if you were able to get like adding $30,000 to your down payment is not going to move the needle nearly as much as you want it to. Not nearly as much. But if you take that same 30 and pay off a car, I guarantee you that the increase in your mortgage because you didn't put the down payment. But the decrease in that debt, the, it'll it'll come down by half. Like your mortgage is going to go up 250 bucks, but you're opening up $600 off your car. So the 30 grand is better spent, in my opinion, there. And you're just readjusting where that money's going. Then, so to look at it from a monthly standpoint, right, is is can be a better solution than just compartmentalizing into this or hoping that saving more money is going to be your saving grace on the down payment. Cause typically it's just not. Well, it has, I'm, I'm sure it has everything to do with the amortization, the, the, the fact that you're amortizing the house over 25 years and your car is over max eight. Right. So hundred percent, hundred percent. All it is again, it just breaks down into the math piece. So before we take a quick break, any other tips or tricks for people who are getting themselves ready to think about buying in six, 12 or 18 months? Yeah. Um, again, a little dorky, but the biggest, one of the biggest things that people don't get until you get into the house is how much are the utilities? What am I going to spend? Right. How do I budget for that? Cheat. Like we, re, the word resources is just using whatever you have around you. Right. And you know what you have around you? Parents that live in a house, right? Well, I'm not buying that big of a house. Who cares? Ask them. I need your cell. I need your, I need your hydro bill. I need your water bill. I need your property tax bill, right? Whatever other bill, any gas bill, whatever comes in and just make copies of them. And if you can take that amount of money and put it aside or drop it down 10 or 15%, whatever, at least you have a baseline, take that money, put it aside, right? What have you done? You've paid your utilities. You've paid utilities on a house. So if you're comfortable doing that and you're still saving money, what are you doing? You're paying a mortgage, you're paying a house, but that'll at least give you a baseline to pretend with, but it'll give you a baseline to be able to figure out and how to adjust how you're going to pay your utilities. It won't be exact. It won't be the same, but Hey, they're in a bigger house than you. It'll be more and you're paying less. Like 
it works. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's a really good idea. Um, I think a lot of people who they're saying, Oh, well, I'm saving my, my, my down payment. It's like, yeah, okay, great. You're putting $2,000 a month extra away. Good. That's awesome. Congratulations. That's a big deal. Not everybody can do that. And then when you move into the house, it's like, Oh, the $2,000 I was putting away, I'm not putting away anymore because it's now going to my mortgage or my property taxes or utilities or whatever they are. Right. So it's like getting into that mindset is, uh, is the right move. So that's great. On the second half, we're going to talk a little bit about what you can do to prepare yourself uh, from, you know, uh, uh, looking at the real estate market and, you know, what you can do, not just from a financial point of view, but from a knowledge point of view before you get into a house over the next six, 12 or 18 months, as always hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, share this with someone who you think might be thinking about moving the next three, you know, six, 12, 18 months, whatever it is. Uh, and you can schedule an appointment with Kyle or I directly in the Calendly links. If you're listening on Apple podcasts or Spotify, thank you very much for your ears and we'll see you on the flip side. This episode of the Real Collective podcast is brought to you by Real Collective. Real Collective brings together best-in-class real estate agents and collective experts in the field to deliver the best possible service to our clients. We govern ourselves with honesty, open-mindedness, and compassion. With diverse skill sets, our agents are able to better serve a wide array of clients, including first-time buyers, first-time sellers, transferees, estate sales, investors, and rural, vacation, and luxury products properties. Authenticity and transparency are pillars of our process, which allows us to put our clients at the center of everything we do. Our years of experience and knowledge allow us to deliver prestigious service and optimal results. If you are interested in buying or selling your home, contact us today at realcollective.ca. Welcome back, you beautiful people, to the second half of the Real Collective podcast with your friend Kyle Miller and Sean Tasse. Thanks so much for your ears and your eyeballs on YouTube. Hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and share this with someone who you think might be thinking about moving in the next 6 to 18 months. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, thank you very much. If you'd like to book an appointment with Kyle or I, you can do so in the Calendly link below. We're going to talk a little bit about getting ready from a real estate transaction point of view. So as you're going through this idea of, hey, I want to buy a house in the next, you know, six to 18 months, what can you do to prep? What can you do to get ready? And I think really, you know, straightforward is um, you can meet with a professional free of charge. Either Kyle or I, you can book an appointment with us in the Calendly links. Easy, easy, easy. Sit down and talk about how you can set yourself up for success, right? Start to understand what the market is looking like. What do I actually get for, you know, my monthly payment? How can you justify, you know, right now in rent, hey, I'm paying, you know, whatever it is, $2,000 a month. Okay, great. Whatever you want to buy, it's going to cost you $3,000 a month. How are you going to justify making that jump, right? What do you get for that $3,000 a month? What does that buy you? Looking around at different neighborhoods, different areas, what's your lifestyle? What's important to you? Um, you know, what, what are you willing to live without? Right. You know, what do you, what do you say to the first time buyers who like your approach? Um, I just find this interesting, like of the expectations, right? Like we've all seen that joke. I think we've all seen that meme on Facebook where it's like, well, maybe if you don't go to Facebook cause you're younger than me, but where it's like, where it's, it's HDTV 
HGTV and they're like, yeah, what's your budget? 1.2 million. Cause I uh, collect butterflies and I sharpen pencils for a living. Ha ha ha. Right. Like how do you temper those? How do you manage that and temper people's expectations or, or just keep them, keep them within their expectations? Yeah. I think, I think a lot of people are pretty level headed in Ottawa for the most part. And I think uh, having that sit down conversation and starting to pull up some different ideas, like, Hey, you want to spend, I mean, if you sharpen pencils and, and, you know, uh, collect butterflies, collect butterflies or, or re- rehabilitate damaged, damaged wing butterflies. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think, you know what your budget is. That's what it comes down to, right? It comes down to the monthly payment. You know what your budget is. So, Hey, right now I'm paying whatever $2,000 a month for rent, or right now I'm living with mom and dad and, and I'm paying nothing. Okay. Well, what do you want to spend per month? And that comes down to like, we get into, what how much money do you make right now is that going to change drastically how much of that money are you allowed to put towards housing right you make a hundred thousand dollars a year you know that is going to buy you in 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 today's world like a three hundred thousand dollar house that's what you're allowed to buy from the bank unless you've got more money coming from somebody else what can you get for three hundred thousand dollars not too much not a ton right so like here are your choices and i I mean i'm sorry to say right now the way it is you're not getting a lot for that month for that income so how else can you bolster your income if you're single (laughs) maybe consider not being single anymore or at least find uh i mean don't don't hook up with someone just for the pure you know for the pure idea of, of, of doubling up your income but maybe your first house you buy with a partner Maybe you, and it's not maybe a romantic partner. Maybe it's just a, you know, a, a business partner or, or someone who you're getting in with, right? Guilty. Yeah, we right, did it. exactly. So, hey, you we know what? Let's, yep. let's go in on this place together. We'll buy a three-bedroom. You and me, Kyle, we're, we're 21 years old. We want to buy a house. Okay, well, let's buy a house together. I've got half the money. You've got half the money. We're both single guys. We'll buy a three- or a four-bedroom house, and we'll, we'll house hack. We'll rent out the other two rooms, Right. Now, all of a sudden, you've got, you know, your Cutco income. I've got my Cutco income. We could show that to the boys. <laughs> and, and, and at the time, we could have bought a house in Rockcliffe Park. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 25 years ago. Um, but, you know, something along those lines, right? How can you increase? Who, who can you leverage? You know, if it's, if it's not your parents, cool. You know, it wasn't me for, it wasn't my parents. Um, you know, who else can you work with or who else can you get along with and live with? Uh, and, and get yourself onto the ladder. Cause as soon as you get onto the property ladder, like this whole new world opens up to you. Right. So would, would you, would you handle, do you think you'd handle, cause I was thinking about this, uh, um, someone who's a renter, who's been a renter, right. Understands the utilities and I got to write this check every first of the month or whatever it is. Right. Would you ha- handle that differently than let's say, First time buyer, like we're living in mom and dad's basement, just saving, 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 who's never actually had, other than the savings, which is good, but like has, who's never had to handle that transaction. Would you, would you bring that, would you handle that differently? Yeah. So I think it's just a, it's an educational piece in the, in the, in the initial conversation, right? So a a lot of the times, like the, 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 the buyer consultation that I do is geared toward what's your, what you're used to doing. And some of that conversation breaks it down and talks about, okay, well, what's your budget? What are you going to be spending? What about the other things that you never really consider? How are you going to move? Is it going to be a moving truck? Or are you going to 
get some buddies with, with beer and pizza. There's a cost to that, right? There's all of these different costs. And a lot of the times, you know, whether they're paying, you know, $2,500 for rent plus another $500 in utilities. So they're paying $3,000 and they're looking to buy a place and it's going to cost them four or $4,500 a month. Or if they're living at, you know, mom and dad's basement and they're moving out and they're going to be paying whatever it is, $3,000 a month because the place they're buying is a little less expensive. My question is always the same. And it's this is how are you going to justify spending that much more than you're used to spending right now? Right. After looking it through and seeing like, okay, well, here's all of the expected costs. Here's what the utilities are going to cost, all that kind of stuff. How do you justify it? Because it's not up to me. I'm not going to sell you anything. I'm not going to make you do something that you're not comfortable with, but I'm going to ask you how you're going to make sense of it. And a lot of people, they just turn around and say, yeah, you know what? I'm owning a place. It's going to increase in equity. And instead of paying that money out to someone else, I'm almost repaying it to myself. Right. I have a, I have an interesting story on that. There's a friend of mine who's uh, he's lives with his girlfriend for a long time and they've always rented and um, and her place. And I think there's some rent control there. So it's like, it's low, like it's like 1500 bucks or something like that. And it's not moving. Right. And he's, he's inherited some money and he's been talking to me. He's like, I've always wanted to buy, like, should I buy and rah, rah, rah. And he's like, and his exact words were, but he's like, man, we're comfortable where we are and that rent's not changing. And you're telling me the price of this, if I buy is this, he goes, ah, I don't know about that. And our conversation actually switched. Now this is unique because he has more money that's come to him than the average bear. Right. So he can do a 20% down payment. We switched that conversation to what about buying an investment property? Right. Like you don't have to, you don't have to leave, stay there. That's fine. That's a great financial decision, quite honestly, but you still own something else. Right. It's like the thought, it's like some people's thoughts of, uh, you know, like rent where you live and own where you can rent. Right. And he's in that situation. I'm like, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> like, how, how are you going to tell someone that it makes complete sense to jump out of 1500 into 3000 just because, yeah. right? Well, like that's a, that's a, that's a big time. That's a Grant Cardone's a big, a big fan of that. Right. Yeah. He's like, Oh, well go and buy rental properties it doesn't have to be in your own city. You can go and buy rental properties around the world and oh, rent wherever you're at right now with the knowledge that, Hey, if you want to go live in Monaco, Hey, look at that. The tenants are leaving and there's a month that I can go and live in Monaco in the place that I own for free. Right. And then turn around and, and go find somewhere else to rent and maybe not give up the, the place that you're in right now. Right. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a great idea. I don't think that's a lot of first time home buyers, a couple of them. No, 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 like I said, unique, but yeah. But, but yeah, I, I think the other thing to do if you are planning on moving in the next, you know, buying a house in the next six to 18 months, you want to start to really pay attention to the market, right? Get nerdy about what do I get for, you know, particular price points. So you've, you've, you've narrowed down, okay, here's how much I can spend on a house. What's important to me and where, you know, within the city, can I get that? Am I doing it inside the city? Does that look like a condo? Is there condo fees associated with it? What does that have an effect in terms of my monthly budget? Or I really want a garage. Well, geez, the only way you're going to get a garage is if you go an hour outside of Ottawa. Are you okay with that? No, I'm not okay with that. Okay, so then what are you willing to give up? And to really pay attention to not just what the places are listed for, but what they're actually selling for, right? And the market changes seasonally, right? So, hey, I'm, I'm looking for the next, you know, whatever it is, 12 months. 
I noticed that, um, or, or maybe someone told me, if I buy in the winter time, I might get a lower price deal by like five to 7%. But instead of having to rely on an agent who you might've just met, you know, two, three weeks ago, why don't you rely on the data that you've seen? Hey, houses like this townhouse in Barhaven seem to have been selling in the springtime for 650. And now it seems like they're all priced at 599. And geez, you know what? They're actually selling for 570 in the wintertime. Maybe I want to buy in the wintertime instead of waiting until buying in the spring, right? Um, again, seeing that for yourself versus being told that by someone who, oh, hey, you know, my brother is a realtor and he's a really good person. You're like, I don't know who this person is, right? Seeing it for yourself is a lot stronger than hearing it from someone who you just met, you know, however long ago. Um, again, you meet with an agent who has the foresight to say, hey, let's set this up, pay attention to the market, watch what's happening, watch what's happening. And I really think it's important to see a, what you can get, I'm just repeating myself now, and B, uh, what the uh, what the list price to sell price ratio is so that when you're ready to jump in, you know how to not be ridiculous with a, a, su a super low ball offer, right? If, if we got granular for a sec, and maybe this is me being a nerd and I haven't had to buy a house in 10 years, but if, uh, like... I look back on things that I didn't do <laughs> when I was, when I bought the several properties that I've rotated through in the past. And it's like, what about some of that stuff? Like, would you ever just, would you suggest to someone like, look, that's your neighborhood. Okay. Well drive there during the week, like go there and just drive around during the week. And then you know what? Drive there on Saturday, right? Like drive there on a Saturday. Cause it's different. Like I remember we bought it when I moved in with my, my now wife, she had a house, was a new build in Orleans and it was fine. It's townhouse, right? At, you know, you can park two cars. So that's good. On Saturdays though, I was like, where did all these people come from? Like where, how is there this many cars on the street where it went from a two lane road to a one lane road? Right. And like, Oh, look, I thought I was going to save time from where I used to live to moving here to go to work. I saved five minutes, like because traffic in Orleans, if you've been there, you know, it's just, it's ridiculous, right? Like, it's like, would you suggest, like, that seems silly, but would you suggest stuff like that? Uh, yeah, you always want to drive the neighborhood. That's why gas is cheaper in Orleans, because it always takes longer to get in and out. <laughs> it's always like five times cheaper. I don't know if you pay attention to that stuff. I'm kind of nerdy about it. I only, get, I only guess up there, so I feel like it's always expensive, but... Well, compared to the rest of the city, it's pretty cheap. But yeah, absolutely. Oh. You, you want to, you want to, you really want to pay attention to... Um, to your neighborhood, right? If you've got like, hey, I'm definitely moving in here and you live like on the other side of the city. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, especially as you're preparing for it. And especially if you're moving to like a smaller community, maybe something something that's a little bit further out, like a, I don't know, like a Kempville or whatever, right? Like, yeah, go there during the day. Like, especially, I know it's gonna be a pain, but if there's a day where you're not working, go there early and leave as if you're leaving from that neighborhood and drive to your office in the morning to get what that commute time is. And if you're not working, you know, or, you know, drive, or I guess you can do it while you're working, leave work and drive as if that was where you're going home and get a sense of what it is. Right. I mean, things that you would never consider sometimes and different times of the year, it's different. Sometimes on the drive home, I get on the Queensway and the sun is just in my eyes and it's, and it's blinding. Right. And so it's like, oh, well, maybe I don't want to live in the West End because the drive home is going to suck, you know, 
for, for three out of 12 months during the year or whatever. It is what it is, right? So yeah, I mean, you can, you can really get into it, especially if you've targeted a neighborhood. Um, at the beginning, I would also say like, yeah, you might have targeted a neighborhood because you got friends close by or whatever, but don't, don't close the door on any other neighborhoods because it might be the case that something is more important to you than the neighborhood. You might want more house and your, your money goes further in a different neighborhood. So don't, you know, unless you're, you're really sold on, on an area, I'd say uh, open that up. So yeah, during the, during the research phase, keep definitely as much of an open mind as you can, I think is my point. Biggest mistake you made as a first time buyer. Ooh, not hiring a real estate agent. You buy on your own? I bought from a builder on my own. Yeah. Wow. And, All right. And it, and it cost me. One of the reasons I got into the into the into the business, because I, I didn't realize that I could have hired someone and it would have cost me zero. Why did so how did it cost you at the builder? Uh, they set all the terms. No one was advocating for me. Nobody knew. I didn't, I didn't, what do I know? I'm a, I'm a, right. Exactly. <laughs> Where do I sign? Okay. Yeah. Uh, you're telling me when to move. I can get granite. Awesome. Not even, no, <laughs> you're painting it for me. Great. Wicked. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know. Right. I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know anything about yeah. it. So if I could have, sorry, I could have hired someone. It would have cost me zero. And I would have had a much better, uh, uh, you know, deal experience, uh, probably, but also a much better deal. So one of the main yeah. reasons I got into real estate was when I went through the process and bought my house new from the builder, I didn't hire an agent and it was really eye opening for me that I missed out uh, a lot. So there you go. Uh, same question to you before yeah. we wrap up. Um, it's funny. It's not the same answer, but it's the same answer. Like I, it's, I have no idea how I got my first mortgage. No idea. I was not a mortgage agent at the time. I was working what I was doing. I'm pretty sure it was my, my, my partner, my buddy that we bought a house with. He carried a lot of this. Cause I was, cause yeah, I have no clue how we got this mortgage. None. I was there. I went to the office once. She's like, send us this stuff. I'm like, okay. And then we showed back up. We signed some stuff. And like, that was it. I'm like, what happened? And then we went out for dinner. Cause we were like, we bought a house. <laughs> it was literally like that. I'm like, this is insanity. So I get why people think it's so easy because I had that same experience when times were different. And now if they're comparing it to now and like, this isn't what I'm used to. So I, that was my biggest mistake. I had no clue, none what I was getting into. And I, I was ignorant to that. Not a reason I got into the business, but glad I did in the end love. I just love not doing that for other people. Yeah, exactly. Same, same, same. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, that uh, we're over time, but I think that was helpful for anybody uh, who, who, who's hoping to move in the next six to 18 months. And I think this is going to probably be evergreen content. So uh, as yeah. always, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, share this with someone who you think is planning on moving in the next, you know, six to, to 18 months. And uh, you can book an appointment directly with Kyle or I to, to go through all of this stuff and to really pick out what's important to you uh, in the calendar links below. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, thank you so much. And until the next time, keep it real. Collective. <laughs> <laughs>